by the power of the ancient and benevolent order of the Lynx, I hereby attest that it is with an open heart and clear vision that I pass the power of the office of sovereign protector of Lynx Lodge 49, Long Beach, California, to the luminous night, Ernie Fontaine, the unseen is seen with righteous eyes. As above, so below. discussion show where we go deep and wide on the show Lodge 49, which originally ran on AMC, was unceremoniously canceled after two seasons, but lives on in your hearts and your minds on Hulu, Amazon, iTunes, uh, you can either, lots of ways you can still see it. Um, so, and we encourage you to, if you haven't, uh, Jim, why don't you tell us what episode we're talking about today? Today we're talking about episode six, The Mysteries. It was written by Charles Yu, who also happened to have won the National Book Award last year. And it was directed by Trisha Brock, who directed episode five as well. Awesome. And just to give you a quick rundown, and actually to the needle drops on this one are interesting. Uh, we had the Shields version of Nature Boy, which is sort of almost Larry's theme song, as it kind of turns out. We have Renee Hall and his band doing Cleo, the official uh, house band of Lodge 49, the sound carriers with Boiling Point. And then we come back to Nature Boy with Susie Kane, who is, of course, uh, the wife of music supervisor Thomas Patterson, and plays the muse in season two. So, uh, and, and we have her version of Nature Boy as well. Well, as always, we've been having special guests in our fourth and sometimes fifth chair to join us so that you don't have to hear us yapping about our theories the whole time. So Jim, why don't you introduce today's very special guest? We are super excited today to have Kara Mantella with us who plays Jackie Loomis. Welcome, Kara. Hi, thank you. We are so thrilled to have you on. Um, and when we were, you were on our very short list as we were sort of planning for the season. Um, and we knew we were doing season one rewatch, so we couldn't go back and do circles, but we said episode six would be perfect because that's where we get your, your introduction um, and you sort of lay your stamp on the show. Uh, so just a deep thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, so, Kara, it's been, you know, it's been a weird time since Lodge 49 was canceled in this past year. Um, and we'd love to start off with just sort of asking our guests, you know, what you've been what you've been up to. What 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 have you been doing since the unfortunate closing of the lodge? Yeah. Uh, the closing of everything. Right. Um. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, you know, 2020 started out really excitingly I thought you know it was like a lot of good auditions things were rolling in and then 
you know, slowly things started closing and, um, and I was doing okay at the beginning of quarantine. I was like, I, I wasn't accomplishing much. I was like, I think I, uh, I memorized one of my credit card numbers and I was like, oh, that's a good accomplishment. <laughs> like I, now I can order things I don't need without getting up. Um, and then, yeah, in, uh, but then in July I was uh, diagnosed with breast cancer. So that's been, um, you know, the crazy turn of events for me. So, you know, quarantine wasn't exactly what I <laughs> thought it would be. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's been a, it's been a crazy, crazy year or so. Uh, but like the last, you know, six months have been pretty challenging. Um, but things are, you know, things are going well. I caught it early. You know, we were able to jump right into treatment and um, I'm done with all the done with all the big stuff now. So I've still got some still got some stuff to go, but um, started, you know, taping auditions again about a month ago. So back trying to get back into the into the game. Yeah, it's been a it's been a crazy ride. Well, I know that uh, ourselves and a lot of the, you know, the lodge fans out there have sort of followed along with your journey on social media. Um, and I just want to say personally that, you know, there were moments that you gave me personal inspiration just with your, you know, kind of fortitude and your positive attitude. And, you know, we, we think of the, the lodge cast members and, and, and crew as kind of an extended lodge. And so I, I don't know, I, I'm sure I'm speaking for Bart and Jim, but we were rooting for you. And, and I found a lot of inspiration in your story this year. Oh, thank you. I, I appreciate it. It's been, you know, it's something I, at first, you know, wasn't sure how I was going to share it or process it. And, and then at a certain point I was like, I'm, I'm just going to share it because, you know, one, if it, if it helps somebody else, but two, it, it helped me. I'm, I'm like, my love language is words of affirmation. I'm like, <laughs> tell me all the nice things. And um, yeah. So, I mean, all the, all the supportive you know, messages on social media and, and just, uh, you know, family and friends and people that I know, but also people that, that I don't know. Um, you know, it's just been, um, it's nice to have people thinking about you and rooting you on. And I felt very supported in a time where, uh, we were lacking like that physical connection and support. So it was, um, it was a nice thing to have for sure. You mentioned that you're starting to film auditions and whatnot. So uh, what's that been like now the last couple of months, kind of getting back, you said back in the game and kind of figuring out this, you know, 2021 version of your career. Right. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. It's, it's, uh, there was some somewhat more of a, a vulnerability to like coming back into it for whatever, you know, reason after just going through like, you know, kind of a life transformation. Um, and then, you know, this whole time I was, I was so anxious to get back, you know, cause it's just like a piece of your heart missing when you can't, <laughs> when you can't do what you feel like you're, you want to do and you're supposed to do. And, and also like, I'm an emotional person. So it's, it's nice to have like a place to put my emotions sometimes, uh, you know, so through those, through those auditions. So, and, and, you know, I'm an Atlanta actor, so we've been doing the self-taping thing for a long time. That's kind of been part of our, our journey here in Atlanta started, you know, maybe about, I don't know, eight or 10 years ago, where it kind of became the norm for film and TV, where we will um, self-tape our, our first round of auditions because we're auditioning for things all over the Southeast. And, um, you know, a while back, we used to have to drive 
uh, maybe, you know, five to 10 hours to go do like a one line audition. Um, and then at a certain point it just started shifting and they started switching more self tapes, uh, for film and TV for like your first round and your second round. Um, sometimes, and then sometimes you'll have a call back in person. Sometimes they'll book you directly from the tape. So it hasn't changed a ton for us here in Atlanta. It was just kind of an adjustment of, I mean, um, usually when we say self-tape, you know, it's like go to a friend's house and tape with them or have them come to you. And there's also like safe taping services here that you can use. And it's basically just, you know, you're on your own to tape it and then upload it where it needs to go. But, you know, I've had a few instances here now where I've had to email one of my friends and see if there'll be a FaceTime reader. And then I, you know, set up the, the FaceTime next to my camera and, you know, so I can have someone reading the scene with me. And, and but then you're, you know, I have to press record and make sure I'm in the right, you know, frame and, and that kind of stuff. So it's nice to, uh, starting to see more friends get vaccinated. I, I get my second dose tomorrow actually. So I'm excited for that. (laughs) But, um, you know, the more and more people, I think I have a few friends that are, that are fully vaccinated where I'll feel comfortable. Um, if we want to like get back to taping an audition together in person or something like that, um, which is, (laughs) is so much better than having a FaceTime reader, but <laughs> thankful thankful for, for the technology that we can have that option anyway. Are you from that area or what brought, what brought you to being an, an Atlanta actor? Yeah. Um, I'm not from here, uh, but I've, I've lived here about 15 years now. So it's, it's kind of become my home. I was born on the East coast and grew up in the Chicago suburbs. And then, um, was there for a while and then went to LA for a couple of years after college. And then, uh, it basically just happened that my parents had moved here. Um, and I was married at the time, not anymore, but we, uh, kind of were looking for a new place to go after, after three years in LA, we were like, eh, it's not, it's not the place for us. And, and we just gave Atlanta a try. And so it really has been the best, um, decision for me. I, I love unity of actors here. It's a really supportive community. It's a really talented community. And I think people are, um, you know, with the cast and the crews here that people are taking notice, you know, obviously there's a tax incentive, which makes it a, a good place to film, but you know, maybe like when they, when filming first kind of started, picking up here, we'd be auditioning for, for smaller roles all the time. And now it's, you know, seeing people kind of get bigger opportunities and people trusting Atlanta actors more, as opposed to just having the, you know, stigma that like, why would we cast someone from Atlanta when we can fly someone in from LA? But, you know, they're finding that we have the people here and you see, you know, like, I mean, Atkins is a great example. Like, uh, I loved his work in Hightown. Obviously he's hilarious in, in Lodge, but, uh, he's just, such a talented guy and it's like right and he's an Atlanta actor so um we are kind of uh sometimes we feel like the underdogs but I think we all are like all right if one of us does well we all are doing well so it's a really um supportive community that that roots each other on did you know Lodge 49 was going to shoot in Atlanta before you got booked on it or was that just sort of a happy accident no I um I did when I auditioned for it so yeah I I did the actually I did two auditions by self-tape and then I had a call back in person um, at the studio but I didn't know much about the show at that point uh, there wasn't you know you could find a little information online but you know I just you just get your own scene 
reading. Uh, you don't generally get the full script for auditions like these. So, you know, I was like, had the 1960s script and I didn't know <laughs> much else. I knew that was a flashback scene. Uh, so I knew it wasn't the time it was set in, but when I first auditioned, I didn't, I didn't know too much about it, but I did know it was going to film in Atlanta. Most of the stuff we auditioned for around here does film uh, in Atlanta or in the Southeast area. And so generally, you know where it will film uh, before you actually submit for it. So it was kind of a happy accident, you know, moving here because it wasn't, it wasn't really that at the time. I, I was uh, planning to do theater and just kind of see what happened. And, uh, and then film and TV just started picking up and I, and I was here at the, at the right time and was able to get to know people and I had an agent as soon as I moved here. So once stuff got busier, I was able to really start auditioning and, so it's been it's been a great place to be. The, the industry moved to you. Yes, definitely. <laughs> that is everyone can thank me because uh, it was yeah. Catalyst. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> um, one quick uh, question before we jump into episode six was just. You know, tell us a little bit about your experience on Lodge 49. I realize you probably had somewhat of a different experience because you weren't in the modern times. You know, you were in these flashbacks and then obviously in, in season two kind of going deep in that flashback. So just tell us a little bit about your experience on the show and then, you know, sort of your experience with the reaction to the show. You know, I know you've heard this from pretty much everyone who's worked on the show, I'm sure, but it's 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 the greatest it's the greatest place to work. Um, everyone is so kind and so warm and so welcoming. And and um, coming in the first season, Jim uh, Jim Chandler and I were cast before our episode because you know episode six was was episode six, um, but they needed to cast the roles beforehand so we could take the um, pictures for the wall. And um, so we auditioned probably earlier in the season than we normally would have for episode six. And um, so we, the first thing we had was that photo shoot, which was like the, the picture on the wall and then the, uh, the picture in the diary. Uh, I shot those on the same day. So it was fun. And, you know, I had my fitting with Carol and I was in heaven trying on all those <laughs> gorgeous vintage clothes that she pulled. And, um, and we got to do the photo shoot, which is, you know, amazing. We got the hair and makeup, um, Donna and Vanessa, like they're all brilliant, you know, and, and I love period pieces. Like I've, I've been, it's funny cause I've, I've been able to do like 50s, 60s, I think I hit 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s on, on like film and TV stuff. I've, you know, a lot of little roles, but but it's like, all right, I'm crossing off each decade. Someone hire me for the 40s. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that first time we came in for the photo shoot, Jim Gavin was there and and got to chat with him a little. I'd actually met him at the at the callback, and um, he he mentioned wanting, and this is something that doesn't usually happen when you come in co-star role but he mentioned um letting me um get to read some of the earlier episode scripts uh just to get a feel for the show and and I was like that's amazing because like sometimes you come in and you don't even get the full script of your episode much less like other episodes you know unless you have a larger role or you're continuing on the show and and so that was even a gift as an actor I was like oh I get to read you know and I just remember reading those those first scripts and I was like 
I love this show. <laughs> like this is my kind of show. And um, you know, so so coming in to film episode six, uh, season one, we had a great time. Um, it was pretty short, you know, it was I can't remember how long we filmed that that day. I think it was maybe like a half day or something. But um it was it's always amazing walk into a world when it's a period piece, I think, especially if you haven't seen the set before. And, you know, you're in your hair and makeup before you walk on set and it's just, you're walking into another time period, which is kind of what that episode feels like when he has the flashback. And um, so we had a great time filming that, but of course I had no idea, you know, if it was even going to get a second season or if our, if our characters could, you know, could come back, you know, knowing we were a flashback, not being sure how that would work. Um, for me, at least that's how I felt. I wasn't, I wasn't sure. Um, of course I would have loved to come back. And then, um, once it got picked up, you know, so then I got to, I got to, I had only read the first six episodes. So then when I was watching it, the rest of the season was a surprise for me. So I got to go on that journey with the audience. You know, uh, I was a major fan from the start. So just, <laughs> I was like, so into it and so excited when it got a second season and you know I was like it'd be great if I come back but I'm not of course counting on anything because you never do that as an actor <laughs> even even when you're on site you can't count on it but once they got picked up for season two I think there was I think I knew I, I could was potentially coming back like um you know I think my agent checked the possible availability but again you still don't you know still don't count on anything until it happens. And then I came back for the little dream sequence in episode two of season two. And, um, and I was like, cool, it's great to be great to be back. Like, I don't care what I'm doing. It's just a great set. And I, I just love putting on the costumes. <laughs> um, and then, you know, I kind of started finding out, um, that, that I'd be getting to do something bigger later in the season. I think I had, uh, sent them my um, demo reel and um, I just knew that there was potential for something bigger but of course I didn't know what that was or what that meant you know how how big an opportunity and then um, and once I got uh, the season two episode six as the circle script I was like um, <laughs> I, I was blown away like I, I, I could stop I could start crying just uh, talking about it. <laughs> um, just blown away by the gorgeous script that it was, you know, the, the, um, and then blown away that they were giving me this opportunity uh, to do this role. And, and I've had opportunities like this on stage and I've had some great roles in, in film and TV, but um, to have you know, my own storyline kind of, or my own arc that had, that had never happened to me on, on camera before, you know, I felt like, okay, I'm, I'm ready for this. You've been, you know, you've been working for this your whole life, but it's like, you just never know as an actor, like if the opportunity is going to come or not, if someone's going to trust you and, and, um, you know, especially with something like that. And, um, so this is just, you know, it's, the whole show for me is just like a, a gift that I was able to do something like that and have, what she's saying? I'm going to cry. 
uh, have that opportunity and then work with like Olivia and Jim and Peter and, and Nina and, uh, you know, and then all the amazing scene partners and, and all the series regulars on the show are, are so warm and welcoming and, and, um, you know, everyone from every level, every crew position, you know, background, um, it, you can just tell everyone likes being there or loves being there. And, um, it's, it's been cool afterwards, the way that, I mean, I'm, I'm connected to people on social media from the show that I, that I haven't actually met in person, but I do feel like they're friends that, that, I just have never met. Um, and that's how kind of the whole lodge world feels. Like it feels like I've got a lot of friends all over the place and maybe I've never met them in person, but we have some kind of connection at heart. And um, so, yeah, it's it's been, uh, the whole thing was just a beautiful experience for me. So I'm very grateful for it. Awesome. We hear, we hear that a lot, really. And I think the fan base out there definitely kind of views you and your character as a bit of the high priestess of the lodge, right? You sort of have like a rarefied air, you know, your, your character. And I, I don't know, it's like a, you, you sort of have a special place in the lore, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's so fun to be able to be part of the story that tells a lot of the secrets and the, and the mysteries. And I mean, when I read the, when I read season, when I read circles, there was one part where I like, I almost threw my script across the room. Cause I was like, I wrote the diary. <laughs> like, <laughs> I had no idea. Um, so it just is exciting. And then to have those secrets and then to, you know, be excited for it to air to finally like get some of those answers that, they didn't have before and then it was fun because both seasons I had I had read the scripts for the earlier episodes before I came in but I didn't read any of the later episodes so I was like fully on the journey with the audience for those last four so yeah I'm just as much a fan as well and I've seen it a couple times now I've had a couple rewatches. I have a friend in New York who hadn't seen it yet and um during quarantine and we uh we did FaceTime uh, rewatch where we log in and FaceTime and then start our Hulus at the same time. And then we both have the, the, the less expensive Hulu with the commercials. So we'd like <laughs> unmute ourselves and chat during the commercials and then we'd go back to it. And so that kind of became our um, little quarantine tradition for a couple months to, to watch both seasons again. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan and I feel like it's been a great gift for me as an actor. So well, here we go. So let's let you nerd out with the rest of us and go <laughs> deep on uh, season one, episode six, uh, the mysteries, right, Jim? The mysteries. Yep. yep. Um, all right. Start. We'll start off with some, you know, kind of big takeaways from from this episode. Kara, I'll let you kind of ruminate on that. Uh, Jim or Bart, did you want to jump in on what were some of your big takeaways or themes on this episode? Uh, sure. I mean, <clears throat> to me, I, I really thought this was kind of all about, uh, PTSD and I thought that it was also interesting, uh, Connie's role in it was a little bit, it was kind of minor to some degree in this episode, uh, but also like her hallucinations. So this kind of tie in from her, um, you know, I'm not sure what she has, maybe a brain tumor, but anyway, um, the connection between what Larry goes through with his PTSD and his hallucinations and Connie, 
Um, and I, I remember after watching Circles the first time around, that it, it kind of really struck me. And now watching this after after having watched Circles and going back and watching this, um, I was much more acutely aware of how Larry. Well, I mean, obviously there's some obvious things, but like I was just more tuned in to Larry. Like I'm not sure that I noticed him saying like he doesn't need you. I guess I did. I don't know. Um, but yeah, just like the connection of Larry's PTSD to Connie's. Um, hallucinations and just just in general i think um you know going from thinking of larry as kind of a, like a kooky old man the very first time i watched this season before watching season two and then kind of adding this much deeper level level uh level to him the second time around and yeah i don't know ptsd for me is the biggest theme of the episode Mine kind of builds off that a little bit. I just couldn't, you know, I was just thinking about transitions and transformations. Um, you know, you see a lot of that in this episode. You see sort of characters transform and, and sort of transition into something else. And I actually thought even for the show itself, I, I it was a bit of a magical episode, right? We get a lot of, you know, the first five episodes, we get, you know, a lot of character work, a lot of plot, a lot of, you know, kind of the, the look and feel and vibe of the show and something, you know, whether it was Dud's, you know, hallucination in the basement of Orbis or some other things, it felt like the metaphysical part, like the sort of deeper part of it and, and, Kara, I think that that's sort of your, you know, the Jackie Loomis character is kind of a, a signpost for that, right? It, it kind of, it, that we're about to, we're kind of going into the stratosphere here at this episode. So the whole thing felt like kind of transformative to me, both in individual plot lines and characters, and then just sort of where the show kind of went from, from this episode onward. Kara, what did you, what, what were some of your big themes or takeaways from the episode at large? I, I, I did rewatch it uh, today, actually, and you know, I kept there was just a lot of like, um, like lightness versus dark, like the, the scene with Dud and and Liz where he tells her um, she's afraid of the light, and so I thought, you know, there was a couple. There's always these great two person scenes between different characters where they're kind of at odds with each other or what they want, and so. Um, that was one thing that kind of jumped out to me. And then also just, yeah, it was the beginning of the quest in a way, like finding out about, um, you know, just getting some of that backstory that gets the ball rolling for everything that's coming in terms of, you know, the, the journey ahead for, for all the characters. So it just kind of felt like the beginning of some of that magic, like you said. Oh, I love that. Jim, did you have any big themes or kind of like things that hit you upside the head when you rewatched this time? Yeah, one thing was when when Dodd is walking out the door after arguing again with Liz, and he says, "I'm on the right path, Liz. I'm gonna prove it to you." In his mind, you know, she might not understand it, but he's going to a better place with with what's going on. You know, he's 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 trying his best to to be on this path to somewhere, even if he doesn't know exactly where it is yet. Um, and then I, I feel like that applies a little bit too to Liz herself in the end. You know, after everything that happened, she realizes I need to make a change. Like she, she isn't on the right path and has to has to get herself onto one that's, that's somehow better. Um, and also with Ernie, with, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of sad. No, once after you've, you know, 
seen everything that you know, oh, he's made sovereign protector here, but nobody else knows and they don't, you know, it doesn't end up happening for real for a while. Um, but for him, he's on the path to, you know, where he's wanted to go for, for so long. Um, yeah, so, I don't know, paths, that was my takeaway. That scene, but when he, when they do the knighting in the, uh, you know, when he raises him up to sovereign protector, you know, that was such a powerful scene. I, I don't know if I, you know, this, this time around, that, that one hit me in a little bit of a different way. And I think it's partly because, you know, Ernie's so practical and he, you know, and he kind of always kind of yada yadas the, the mysteries and the kind of like spiritual metaphysical aspects of everything about the lodge, you know, he's in it for a different reason. And, and uh, he, the look on his face, I don't know, like it was a real kind of beatific moment. I, I was just really struck by how powerful that, that scene was um, between the two of them. And there's something about, you know, kind of male friendship too, between the two of them. That's just really that, that, that scene later when he, you know, when he says, no, you blockhead, the gift was you. I mean, you don't, yeah. you don't get that kind of male camaraderie or that version of it on, you know, very often in, in fiction. Yeah, I think also when you, if, if you're watching it as, uh, when you know that Larry dies at the very end of it, then you're kind of watching it. it. It's almost like he's aware that he's it's going to happen. And he's kind of, um, he's he's like going through his last will, you know, to a guy like him, whatever it means. He doesn't have anything to leave except for, let me make sure that Ernie is A, protector, and B, knows how much how important he was to me. Like, he was the gift. I'm, he's telling Arnie, you're going to get a gift and you were my gift. And, you know, um, I, I, I think it was, you know, for me anyway, I, I really liked seeing how he was kind of settling everything. You know, he gives um, Dud the squire kit, you know, he, he basically tells Ernie also that like how important Dud is, you know, like he's kind of been, you know, and it's almost like Ernie's like, you know, not really paying attention to some degree. And I think, you know, I, that's kind of how I felt as an audience member watching it the first time around. And then knowing what's kind of coming, you can kind of see how important it is to him. And, um, you know, and I think in a lot of ways we realize that, like, he does sort of find peace and that, like, a lot of his existence was 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 probably pretty, um, you know, exhausting with, you know, depression of some, some sort that he was, Larry was always trying to be ahead of it, but it was always there and lingering. You know, I think his childhood was probably pretty hard that he goes to Vietnam as, as, um, Jackie mentions in, in circles, you know, like what kind of country, like wh who, what kind of people are we, if we're like putting children to go kill other children, you know, I was, think of that line as well and that Larry must have been was basically a child when he saw his atrocities in the war and um yeah I don't know there was just something about him sort of um settling everything in a way that was 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 very moving and touching I you know I thought that like he was able to kind of know that it, the end was near and he was gonna you know dot you know his eyes and cross his t's and in a, in a human way you know like there is no actual will and testament, but it's this. And so, yeah, I don't know. I was very, a lot more moved by his death this time around, I think, than the first time. Can I just say how amazing, and Kara, you probably, I mean, you worked it with him in this scene, in the, in the opening scene, the casting for the kid, the teenager, for Larry, I mean, I was like, do they get his grandkid, you know, in real life? You know, like, it was 
flawless like from the look and then the acting i thought i was i was just amazed at like how amazing i should have his name in front of me but that that young actor just i don't know it was really his scene in there is really powerful yeah he's uh, it's chase uh wayne scott i believe his last name and he's um he you know of course came back in season two as well and um yeah he was wonderful. He was a wonderful scene partner. He's great to work with. He's he's an Atlanta actor. Um, he was a lot taller when he came back in season two. Because <laughs> I think he was he was shorter than me the first season, and then when he came back, I think he was taller than me. But he was sitting. So, um, but yeah, he he's fantastic. He uh, was great, and yeah, just seeing the parallel of of him as a younger Larry is. Is so good, and the scene with the boys at the birdhouse before. Um, what does he say? I'm going to go down swinging or whatever. I'm going to go was yeah. it go down fighting. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like when River Phoenix played the younger version of Harrison Ford for uh, Indiana Jones, and he had like hung out with him for like a month and gotten all his uh, mannerisms down. And I remember watching that in the theater when it came out. You know, whenever that did, and. Uh, and just being floored by how much he had gotten Harrison Ford down. And I, I think this is like the second time I've kind of, it, it, it reminds me of that sort of thing. Cause it does, he just has this whole, but it's not like uh, the way he tilts his head or, you know, blinks. It's just him, you know, I don't know. It's, it's a little bit, it's a little bit different, but it is, it's like, he's so spot on what he would have been as a kid. Partly casting, but also the kid doing great acting job. Yeah. Yeah. Kara, how, on that opening scene, let's talk a little bit about that before we move on. What, uh, you know, was it, you know, it's such a different version of the Lodge, right? And we get this in circles too, right? It's vibrant, it's active, there's membership. It's like, I think Thanksgiving, right? There's a, it's a big yeah. Thanksgiving party. Um, it just has a, a, a whole different spirit. And you talked about kind of walking on the set and feeling like a little bit like a, a time machine, you know, going into that. What, what was kind of your, what was your thinking and like, what, what were you kind of really focusing on in, in that scene? Cause it really is, it has to do a lot of work on the show, you know, for episodes to come. Yeah. Um, and of course at that point, I didn't know what happened in London as, you know, as the actor coming in, I mean, it hasn't, I hadn't, been aware of that yet so so you kind of have to make your own um backstory according to what you know so far um in terms of what the relationships were so for me it was about um kind of the the two scene partners that I had and and what my relationship with each of those characters were and um and my relationship with with the lodge as far as as far as I could tell and 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 also, you know, knowing, and this is something Alethea and I talked about before we did Circles, um, how, you know, that scene, we're seeing Jackie through Larry's eyes, through, you know, the memory of this, um, of the child at the time. And, and then we see, you know, through her own eyes in um, the second season. So uh, it was kind of fun to, to be able to take... Um, take that into account when we started working on the second season but yeah that that first scene just and then you have that great shot of uh, young Larry kind of coming through where you get to see the, the camera follows him and uh, and then really the reveal of like 
because when I when I read this scene as an audition, you know, I think I I think I did it um, a couple times. And the and the first time I did this self tape because um, we had this this scene was our audition scene, and the first time I had the self tape, I think I didn't um, I didn't know you know I didn't know the feel of the show, and then. Um, I think when we got an adjustment and I taped it again and they wanted, you know, to find more um, comedy or lightness in it. And it's like, Oh, okay. Like kind of just, you know, especially when you audition for shows that haven't aired yet, it's hard because normally you can go watch an episode and get a feel for the show and really figure out what it is to be in that world. And um, so once I, I had that note for the audition it kind of changed okay, what is, what is this? What is, you know, it's not like some teary goodbye of this mom going off to London and abandoning her son. Like, she thinks this is, you know, this is okay. He'll be fine. And, um, you know, so that's just an interesting perspective. And so when you know that's the case, like that she really thinks a lot, you know, the lot will take care of him and, and she'll be back and, and she's going to go to London. Um, and what that means to her. So it's, it's kind of the, the relationships with each of the men and then the relationships with the lodge in that first scene for me was, was what, you know, I had to kind of, uh, grasp onto and, and go from there, not, not knowing, uh, what the, what would happen in London. <laughs> before you, you came on the zoom and, uh, before we started recording, Jim said he had started this and, and Bart and I were saying how we want to do this. Uh, I almost want to go watch circles right after watching this one. You know, we got seven, eight, nine and 10 to watch as we continue to work on this season of the podcast. But, um, I almost want to just sort of, I, I think I am going to go watch circles before I watch seven because just to sort of experience them. I mean, they're almost, they're, um, if you watch them back to back, I suspect they almost, they're almost like a movie, right? They, um, they're so kind of bottled together to a degree. It probably, it's going to be an interesting experience to, to watch them as a, you know, kind of two 15 minute blocks. Have you done that? Did you ever watch the sixes back to back? I haven't. No. Um, I went through the whole when I when I found out I was coming back for for circles, I uh, I did a rewatch of the whole first season at that point, and I really like. I was just taking notes on you know every time Jackie was in the story in some way or someone mentioned her or you know um, just to kind of piece start piecing together my own timeline and uh, kind of history of of what um, what we knew so far before um, before circles what we just knew from the first season but I've never watched those two back to back but I think it would be interesting. Oh yeah, I'm really glad you told me that the first one is the perspective of Larry because there was something that kind of stuck with me a lot was how um, how clearly I remembered uh, Jackie as sort of this like stargazy um, fan you know and how different she was in season in circles in season two when she's just totally in control and that was yeah definitely something that that Alethea had had brought up because I think you know for me playing it too like I only had what I had that first season, um, you know, so I, I know what the bullies are, you know, Larry's bullies are saying about her. And I know, um, you know, what, it, uh, what we've heard of her so far. And we know that she's leaving her kid to go to London and, um, and 
kind of in this beautiful, fantastical flashback memory. And, um, and then, yeah, when I got the second season, I was like, huh, how do I, you know, can I, can I do what I feel, you know, I need to do with this and still kind of keep a part of what was there. And then it was Alethea who was like, talked about the um, perspective of, you know, where that's, that's how Larry saw her. And so, you know, he's remembering his mom leaving her, leaving him. And um, so, you know, he's going to remember it a little differently than when she's telling her own story. And so, you know, really got to go on that whole arc and that whole transition, you know, in circles uh, of like, who was Jackie pre-London and who was Jackie post-London and um, where did she find the, you know, the strength and, and everything and what, what the real history was. And, and there was so much in, of course, in the writing of that episode, you know, with clues to like things from her past maybe, or, or things from her life and that I was able to kind of hone into and um, take as clues for my own, you know, actor work and, um, so yeah, it, it was a good, and that was something that, you know, Alicia definitely brought up and, um, cause yeah, when I got the second season, I had the same thought. I was like, how do I, cause I feel like I was, I was a certain way and, but that doesn't necessarily match up with the way that I feel like she really is in this. And, and so that gave me the freedom to, you know, to explore that Jackie. Jackie's uh, Jackie's own Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> so one seat. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go, no, go for it, Jim. I was gonna say the one scene that really stood out to me on rewatching Circles was when you've got the scrolls and you're sitting there in that chair smoking, and it's just like all confidence and all like I did it, <clears throat> I'm the one who did it, and it, yeah, you see Wallace waking up and looking over, he doesn't know what the heck is going on, and you're. Just like I've got it covered. <laughs> yeah, that was I. That was so fun to film. Like I've never gotten to, to have a moment like that with the you know the cigarette smoke and the, the pose and um, it's like Jackie was like Jackie in circles was like a team effort. I mean that was like hair and makeup. We had all these like the, the transitions that that they gave me, and then Carol's like the beautiful like color transitions, and even just the way she was dressed, which made me feel differently in each scene as we were going. And then of course Alethea's like beautiful direction and and the camera work and just like that was like there was a lot of people that that made Jackie. So it was um yeah it was so fun to to get to do. That that moment is, <laughs> I love that moment. I think that was, that might have been the first, first or second day of, of filming uh, that I had in in that episode. I think, but. Uh, you mentioned doing your actors' work around sort of filling in your backstories and sort of getting in you know your character. Who, in your mind, is Larry's dad? I have a story to that. I don't. I. I, so I'm a journal journaler uh, when I when I do my <laughs> actor stuff. I, I, I am in real life too. I, that's how I sort out a lot of my emotions. So when I have a role that's uh, you know something that's meaty, I do it a lot with theater, where I'll just like get a, a journal for that and like really go through um, a lot of her, a lot of the backstory and figure that out. And honestly, I 
I don't, I don't remember right now um, <laughs> what my answer to that was. I, I do know I had it. It was in my journal, <laughs> but I did have a lot of um, backstory that I just guessed on, you know, which of course I have, I have no idea if that's what anyone else intended, but sometimes as an actor, you know, you kind of fill in those blanks for yourself. So it's real for you. And then you know, if more story comes out down the line, you'll be able to adjust to whatever that is. Um, but I did have, you know, I did have a clear idea of who his dad was and, um, you know, kind of what her connection to war was in general, because it seemed like that came up a lot um, in a certain way for her. And, um, you know, so I had a lot of ideas on that, but Honestly, I don't, I don't know what they were right now. <laughs> and I don't know if I'd share them if I did know them. Cause that's kind of like, actors. that's like a secret stuff, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Let's well, let me ask one. you this. Oh, go did you, did, did you pack up Larry and split or did he split on the two of you? Oh, he, he died. I think, I think it said, he, Oh, he died. Yeah. He died. Yeah. Cause she was in the beginning of circles talking about you know this all started as many tragedies do with but an insecure man Wallace but there was something like he he was the first some yeah, something since, Larry's, since father. Larry's father died yeah oh I forgot that so let's let's talk about some of the little things you know the show is so rich and there's so many things that like especially on on rewatches that you just sort of pick up right that little like character beats or you know where the camera might land on uh I'll give us a little bit of a start. I loved the scene or the shot actually, where they're where Ernie and Larry are waiting for El Confidente, and they do like a pan out. I think it's actually I can't remember exactly, but I think it's after they have the kind of funny sight gag of the van going by. Um, and there's a picture of a. It's in. There's a picture of a of a young soldier. It looks like a sailor with like a bag as a statue, and. It would to me it was such a cool juxtaposition of like young and old Larry, you know, because you see this like sort of like some like veteran statue or some kind of memorial to like sending young men off to war, and then you see like the veteran, and they're in the same shot. It's really quick, you know, but it just sort of pans out. I, I just that really kind of I even paused it because that one that really struck me. Just like those little moments that, that tell a lot, especially on rewatch. So that was that was a little moment that jumped out for me. How about y'all? I had a couple. Um... One, I really liked that guy who, you know, in the ongoing series of people who Ernie's trying to get information on Captain out of, um, there's, there, or, or, yeah, there's one guy who says Captain isn't real, and then there's another guy who says, you know, oh, you know, or, or Ernie's like, what is he like? And, oh, he's white. And Larry asks what he's look like. He's like, I don't know. He's a white-looking white dude. <laughs> <laughs> It's a tax break. Yeah, and then Ernie goes, of course he's white. Ernie goes, yeah, of course he's white, you know? Like, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think that's a, I I assume that. (laughs) I also really loved when, um, when Liz is trying to pull the couch uh, with her teeth or whatever, just like with the thing in her teeth, you know, and Alice is, is shouting, you have no core, you have no core. <laughs> you have no core, you have no core. And I was like, I was like, Alice is so right. 
they do walk weird. They do. <laughs> that was sunny. I was like, oh my God, she's, that's a really great observation. They, they do walk kind of gangly and, you know, like, <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> you have no core. Uh, Karen, did you? I, oh, go ahead, Jim. Oh, go ahead. Bart. No, go ahead. Um, all right, I, just to keep the ball rolling, um, one little thing that I really liked was when uh, Larry Larry's giving uh, Ernie, like, kind of the rundown or, like, you know, these things, and uh, and he says that these scrolls smelled like eggplant, and he just kind of, like, throws that line in there. I, was, I had to write that one down. It's such a good little detail. <laughs> Did anything jump out of the episode that was, like, a moment you might have missed in your first couple of watches, Kara? The eye doctor scene... Uh, when Connie spells out narwhal instead of <laughs> that was one thing that I, I I don't know if I got it the first time or not, but it felt oh, like it I missed like, that. I missed that. I, yeah, oh, it's, wow. it's N A P W A L, but she reads it as N A R W A L. She's on the bottom line, and I was like, okay. Let's cover your left eye. Try reading bottom line. X P N A R. W-A-L. <laughs> okay, that's good enough. Um, and then also, there was just so many great toilet paper moments with Dud, like in this episode, where he's like, gonna go grab my stuff, and then he comes back. <laughs> <laughs> but there were several of them that, that made me laugh. Um, that just love the toilet. And then you get the toilet paper story from Larry, too, which is, yeah. well, there's a lot of good toilet paper moments. <laughs> yeah, that was when Larry was, I was like, oh, I was doing the same thing. I was like, oh, toilet paper, right? You know, like... <laughs> One of our inanimate object characters in the show. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other one I loved is, and I don't even know, like I was trying to wrap my head around, is there like some import to this? And I don't think there is. It's just like the way that the show has these characters pop up, like these almost characters, like, of Long Beach. But the geologist having his personal moment at... at uh, at, shamrocks, um, shamrocks, <laughs> and the guy really pulls it off. Like when he's like not even listening to Liz, and you can tell, like you know, you really like. Oh, I really want to know. Like you, you, the pathos of that guy that like, comes through, and like kind of a just a a, a silly little scene. But I'm like, yeah, the, the show weaves these characters in. Like no one's random. And her speech There's, is so great there too. I'm going through some uh, personal issues. I need some place to think things through. Why would you come here to think? There's, like, so many TVs, and we keep them full volume at all times. Even if there's not a game on. It's horrible. And you know what the worst part is? I don't even notice it anymore. I'll just be walking around, taking orders, and... For whatever reason, I'll kind of wake up and I'll hear the Viagra commercials blaring on ESPN and just feel like... I'll get you wrong. And the TV's become such an important season two thing about the Lodge, right? Like the debate over the TVs and all that. Like, so yeah, there you yeah. go. Like there's your, your opening treatise on the, uh, you know, which Bart could go on about, about no TVs in a bar and restaurant. So there's our, <laughs> there's our first position paper right there by Liz. <laughs> I agree with Liz. Yeah. I love that. So this one, this one's hard to do secrets of the scrolls. Cause 
literally the core of the episode is the secret of the scrolls, right? Like, um, so, you know, it's obviously that that's the kind of what to get into, but, you know, I do love just, I think it's right when he says the eggplant line, you know, the reference to the bowling, the bowling bag and stuff, you know, like these little kind of accoutrements, but, uh, you know, I care. I'd love to hear you talk about like, what what was you know to you what was the mysteries like as an actor like what helped to propel you as sort of like you know you really were the the prime mover of the of the scrolls and the mysteries throughout the entire run of the show so what did you deduce i guess like be you know of course um knowing that i came back with the scrolls, of course, not knowing that I was the one, you know, that, that got them. I mean, at that point, I think I, I probably assumed Wallace um, was the one that got the scrolls or we did it together. Uh, but yeah, it was kind of, it was exciting for me as an actor. Cause you know, I mean, really, I just had the one little scene in the whole season, but I think something really cool about the character and really exciting as an actor is that, you know, Jackie's story was mentioned so much and that you knew she was an important part of the secrets of the lodge. And, you know, whether we ever saw her again or not, like it was fun to kind of get that, that backstory and, and um, those secrets. So I think it was, it's such a beautiful scene. All the, all the um, Larry Ernie scenes, you know, are so just heartfelt and, and gorgeous and then funny, you know, um, just the, the, the way those two actors work together is, is amazing. Um, but yeah, just to kind of get that story of, you know, Jackie coming back with them. We know that Jackie revealed this or, uh, she, you know, he says she got a little, uh, started acting strange uh, towards the end after he got back from the war and, and then started revealing the story. So maybe in a way, you know, she kind of did, did the same thing that, that Larry did uh, as far as giving those gifts to the people as she was leaving or as she was, you know, um, to get the next person to try to <laughs> solve more of the mystery or something. Um yeah, I don't know. At the time, I think when I when I got to work on it, I was just excited that like, okay, this is this is cool. There's more to her. We don't know that much yet, but we know um, there's more of a story. But as an audience member, I think I was just like, when I got to that point, like, okay, the next episode, we're going to know more and then we're going to know more because I didn't know anything after this. So um, it's just kind of exciting to get to the point where we get to start finding out what those secrets are and what the mysteries are i love that parallel between the lit jackie and larry and the, the the handing off the secrets part and like kind of like where there's a little bit of madness or awareness of end of something i never thought about that's a that's a really and everybody else thinks they're a little crazy you know yeah right yeah about her was kind of the way they were talking about larry so i, th I think i just thought about based on something you said i don't know if i thought about it before <laughs> It's wonderful. Um, Jim or Bart, did you kind of pick up any secrets of the scrolls, any little Easter eggs or things buried in this episode? One thing uh, that I, I don't think I noticed before, or I just uh, didn't remember, remember it from my first viewing, was when Larry says that Harwood and Fritz Merrill had gotten bit by a snake and survived, like, done. You know, I, I don't, somehow that escaped my brain. I didn't remember that, that there was that parallel. Um, 
one, you know, there was the kind of funny moment where, you know, Liz says, oh, you're still into that Mason stuff or whatever. And, and Dud says, the Masons were wannabe Rosicrucians and the Rosicrucians <laughs> were a hoax. They pretty much just got out of hand. It's like he had, he's already done so much reading about all these secret societies that he just like knows offhand, like what they're all, you know, how they all connect at this point. Um, but yeah. Bart, did you have any? No, I just sort of, I always kind of, I always find it very charming when I recognize something now that I know everything I know about season two, but I still kind of just sort of focus on like the human element of the show first and foremost always. And so to me, I just, I just was kind of thinking more about the PTSD about it, stuff like that. Cause I remember thinking that about circles and now this has been the first time I'd watched this one in a really long time. And I just kind of had a lot of, uh, sympathy towards uh larry for how kind of I, I always appreciate somebody who has um sort of struggles to keep you know they have this really dark side but they do their best to kind of keep it at bay and keep a positive sort of outlook towards things i always kind of find that admirable um and uh so yeah i don't know just more about that i think here's a question that i had when Dud descends into that room where he has the hallucination with the stars and there's the water on the floor. Is that the, is that the bunker that Jackie with, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but the, the Orbis executive, is that the same bunker that he takes her down into? That is like sort of his secret bunker in the circles episode. I couldn't tell if it's just like a random room or actually that's Dud going into that same room where Jackie and, and the executive make their plans. I think in my mind, I thought it was the same room, but I'm not sure if that's correct. I just thought the latter um, was very similar. And we knew we yeah. were at, going down, down somewhere in Orbis, but it may not have been the exact same. Um, but I think in my mind, I guess it was, but <laughs> I think it is too. Yeah. Um, it'd be something that we go back and rewatch circles right off the heels of this. And that's the same room. I think where Liz, maybe it's the same room where Liz has the, the Aurora Borealis hallucination. So there is something. Or is it a hallucination? Yeah. Um, so yeah, the bunker. Awesome. And yeah, Are, is it also maybe some, a place where some sort of experiments went on. I mean, I, I assume it's the same room too, but I also think that Orvis probably had a ton of those little hidden rooms everywhere. And, uh, but was weird stuff going on, you know, was he like, you know, I don't know, jamming protons into neutrons or something and then <laughs> creating something science, not my specialty, but, um, you know, I don't know, some, some sort of like hangover from 50 years ago, still in that room somehow just kind of kept there. Like, it's never totally clear that it's a hallucination. And unlike Champ, who just works 24 hours a day, Dud, Dud is now just on the one job. So it's not like he would be tired the way. And he was well, just chased. He was, so he was tired. adrenaline. He, he falls asleep on that bench. I mean, if you're not used to, to working a night shift and then you do it, and then you're going to be off anyway, you know, like you're. True. But his adrenaline would have been up, pumped because of the chase, I think. But like you're saying, yeah, we don't really know ever what that was, right? It's still kind of a mystery. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're going to move on to Alchemist of the Week here in just two seconds, but we'd be remiss. I mean, we, we go we go on uh, champ sidebars often. We don't need to do it now. But we do get – this is, again, in a transition and transformation. This is 
this is where we get the most peak champ that we've had in the season. I mean, he's dropped little nuggets in the first five episodes, but I mean, he gets some, he gets to just go on some rolls in this episode. Here comes the nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so good. good. Yeah. yeah, so you work all day at Shamrocks and then you work all night here. When do you sleep? I don't sleep. But we're all going to be replaced by robots, so the only way to survive is to become a robot. Um, all right, it's time for Alchemist of the Week, uh, where we name a character that made some kind of transformation happen from one state to the next, um, or just a character that we loved in the episode. Uh, anyone hot off the presses want to start? Kara, you're our guest. Did you have an Alchemist of the Week? Um, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Larry um, for my pick. Uh, I think that he kind of gave everyone a gift in this episode in that, like, he revealed the things that he needed to reveal. And also, like, in a way, maybe made sure that um, that Ernie was going to be okay, you know, that, that he kind of gave, in a, in a, you know, backwards way, gave dud to ernie once he knew that uh dud was someone special and i i just love that the last shot you know where we see or one of the final shots you know where larry um dies and then dud slowly pulls up in the car and you kind of have that like you know ernie with both of them and and so i feel like um i'm gonna say larry because he gave everyone the gift of of the quest all right bart you want to build on that one uh, yeah, I guess I was also going to, I've been saying Larry almost every week. I've just been kind of <laughs> sort of fascinated by him, I think, this second time around. But on Chris's suggestion, I'm going to say that uh, it, the transformation he had was sort of on me, I think, in how I sort of viewed him um, the first time around and then after watching season two the second time around as a much more sympathetic, not like a, just a, kind of a kooky sort of oddball character who, you know, comes to the bar every once in a while that obviously you like, but you don't know very well. I feel like I kind of got to know him a lot better this second time around watching season one. And um, I don't know, just felt very sort of touched by his whole existence on the show and uh, seeing him as a kid and kind of being the outsider and the other kids kind of picking on him and um, how tough that must have been I think there's something very um, real about the way that he understood his own death coming. You know, it's like from the very beginning of the episode, you can kind of tell he sort of gets stuck. It's like he's looking in the mirror and he kind of, it's like it hits him, you know, like, oh, I'm, I do not have much time left, you know, and it turns out to be just a couple days, I guess, or something from the beginning of the episode, right? Something like yeah, that. Yeah, that long, yeah. So in the beginning, um, Jackie says to Larry, be thankful, be thankful, Larry. I feel like at the end he is, you know, like he's got his, he feels like he's lived. I mean, certainly he's had difficulties, but it seems like, like you're saying, like he's kind of at peace and kind of like, you know, uh, he, he knows what he, what, what he has to be thankful for, or if that makes sense, but. Yeah, totally. Jim, did you have an alchemist of the week? You go first. <laughs> um, 
I'm going to go, we didn't talk a lot about the storyline, but I'm going to go with Alice uh, because, you know, we really, we get, Liz goes through a lot in this episode too. And, and Alice is a bit of the catalyst for Liz. I mean, she, you know, she's part of the, the cautionary tale of what not to become that her father throws in, in Alice's face when they're arguing about her future. She goes to Liz for advice. I mean, and, and, um, uh, you know, we we heard about this that you know uh, that Celia thought when she was doing her actor work thought of them as siblings, right? She that was part of her prep about that. So you get that. In fact, she, in her episode, which is a few episodes back here now, uh, she talks a lot about that scene and about how that sort of was a culmination of that. So and she helps her find that path. I mean, it's kind of you know a trip to the emergency room later and some kind of questionable choices, I guess. But um, and even though we know where it goes with the the journey into the corporate restaurant world and it doesn't necessarily end well it definitely shakes Liz out of something. It definitely transforms her. She definitely wants something else. Might not have been that, but she wants something else on the other side of that corporate adventure. So uh, I thought for that, Alice Alice sort of really, you know, she reset Liz in, in her journey. So she's my alchemist of the week. And now, Jim, you cannot escape. All right. Uh, I'm doing a last-minute switcheroo, and I'm going to pick Ernie. Um, because he comes to this realization that, you know, he can't live in the moment, right, um, with Connie. And it's not always easy to, you know, you want to be with someone and, and they're kind of like, well, this is how it has to be or this is how I want it to be. And, you know, it isn't necessarily easy to, you know, look within yourself and be comfortable with the conclusion that's like, no, I what I want is something different and that's that. And it's, you know, just, uh, you know, I feel like he, not that, I mean, you know, not that he's happy about it. I mean, that he's, he's, you know, sad to be taking that step but at the same time. There's, there's something about knowing yourself and coming to that kind of acknowledgement about yourself and, you know, confidently putting it out there that I think, you know, deserves uh, recognition. Love it. Well, um, Kara, let us. What's what's next for you? Uh, is there anything we can look for to see you in, or anything you're excited about, or uh, you know, the, the fans want to know? <laughs> uh, I want to know too. Um, <laughs> uh, you know. I've, I've had some good auditions. I hope to have some more. Uh, but as far as, yeah, as far as uh, what's coming up next, I, I don't know. I mean, I hope to, to be back on stage at some point as well. But, um, you know, that might be a little further off pandemic-wise. But, um, yeah, I mean, hopefully I'll, I'll be back on, on set somewhere soon. Um, and, and hopefully I'll be able to, uh, yeah, share, share some exciting news sometime in, in 2021. But for now, I'm just, uh, feel free to, feel free to send the good audition vibes my way, but we'll see, uh, we'll see what comes my way this year, but I'm just, I'm just happy to, I'm happy to be auditioning, to be back in the world <laughs> and, um, happy to be almost fully vaccinated. So. There you go. Um, well, I, I I deeply believe that good news is coming your way, and you'll be back Thank on you. stage and screen, uh, dazzling like you did on this show and other performances soon enough. Um, yeah. 
deep gratitude for joining us today. It is, I mean, we are, this is just a silly little podcast that we started a couple years ago. And, and it amazes us that we get folks like yourself to come and, and to talk about the show and, and, and to join along with us. So we just really, you know, have a lot of appreciation and gratitude for you spending an hour and a half with us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm, I, I'm a fan of your podcast, so <laughs> I'm a fan of you guys and I'm, I'm happy to be here. And I always feel like I'm terrible at interviews. So thank you for making me feel so super comfortable to, to <laughs> just say whatever <laughs> no, well you, you seem like a pro to me so uh, well, thank you <laughs> we're happy to set our bar low for you <laughs> perfect I'll, I'll take it i'll take it <laughs> all right well that brings us in an end to our season one rewatch episode six the mysteries uh and uh we'll see you for episode seven